So I got a question for you guys. Did you ever wake up in the middle of a thunderstorm? I just mean like any thunderstorm. I mean like like you wake up, right? And then it's just thunder and there's lightning and the rain is just pounding down and you wake up and you know that you need comfort. And so you race down the hall and knock, 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 knock. And then mom or dad opens the doors and you stick your hands up. Like that's really okay if somebody's three. But if they're 30, see, that's something that we expect people to grow out of. And growth is just a part of life, right? It just is. It's a part of life. And there's a lot of things the kids do that we expect them, that we know it's good that they grow out of at a certain age. Baby talk, for example, right? For babies, that's okay. But what if that was in a job interview? Oh, <gasps> Oh, yes, sir. I would like this job. Please give me this job. Please give me money. That's not going to... I wonder if someone's ever done that. I really don't think that would work. But these days, who knows? Um, Wetting the bed. There is a cutoff for that to be acceptable. I don't know what it is, but there is a cutoff. I want to make direct eye contact with a friend of mine for this one, but I'm scared to do it. Um, Ordering from the children's menu as an adult... You know who you are in this room. And the rest of us love you anyway. Now, here's the deal. I want to point out, there, there's nothing wrong with a cheese quesadilla or some chicken tenders. I'm just going to say, if you're, if you're at a restaurant, just have the self-respect. Instead of ordering nuggets, get boneless wings, because they get better sauces. And as much as I want to harp and just camp against kids' food, the truth is, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, if somebody only ever eats chicken nuggets, then they miss out on the opportunity to try sushi or chicken pad thai or that perfectly cooked ribeye or put in whatever really interesting favorite food you might have. Like, if we don't grow, we miss out. Growth is good. Growth is expected. It's true for kids' behaviors, but it's also true with our jobs, right? Like, have you ever had a job where there was no growth opportunities and you started to feel frustrated? Like, what's the point? Like, what's next? Man, I get that. See, When we don't grow, we can start to feel frustrated and stalled out and stagnant. That's no good. But then you get those opportunities to grow and there's some new challenges, there's some new opportunities. Like, okay, there's progress here. This is a good thing. Growth is good. Growth is expected. It's true also in our relationships. Like, what if you are on a five-year anniversary and you are asking first date questions? Can you imagine how weird that would be? So, um, you grow up around here? Got any brothers or sisters? What do you do for work? Like, no, that's ridiculous. It's absurd to think that someone would be on a five-year anniversary asking first date questions. Because growth is expected. It's a good thing. The same thing, growth is good, growth is expected. That's true with kids. That's true with jobs. That's true with relationships. Well, that's true spiritually as well. Right? Our spiritual growth is something that God cares about. We're in our series, Why Church? We're just answering that question, right? Why church? What's the point? How do we interact with it? And the truth is that God cares about our growth. So why church? Well, because the church helps us grow. That's one of the reasons that God designed it, was to help us grow. And he hopes that as we follow him, that we learn more, that our hearts and what we want in life changes, that how we live changes as well that our growth and our relationship with God would start to change lots of different aspects of our life. And still, sometimes we need help, right? God knows that. He's not surprised by it. 
And that's part of why he designed the church to help us grow. Spiritual growth is good. Here's what God has to say in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. May God give you more and more grace and peace. And we love those things. As you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. There's an expectation that as we grow in our knowledge, and that's not just intellectual knowledge, but that's also just knowing God and a relationship with him. As we grow, we experience more grace and more peace. Right? The grace to handle difficult situations, the peace in the middle of them, those come with our spiritual growth. And growth is good. And also, it's expected. See, Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says this. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. There's an expectation. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. So there's a simile there comparing followers of Jesus to people eating either with a kid diet or specifically an infant's diet or growing up and maturing to solid food. There's an expectation, both for our growth, but also for other people's good, that we would grow spiritually. Right? It's not just about us, so that you can teach others, so that you can help other people. There's an expectation for growth. Now, I don't want to just make fun of kids' food, and I also don't want to make fun of anybody who's at that beginning stage where they're just starting to explore who God is. That's awesome. And the basic things that the writer of Hebrews was talking about, those are good things. Right? We want to know that there's a God that loves us. Growth is moving from God loves me to God loves me and I love God. And because of that, my life is different now. Right? We're, we're not trashing the beginning steps. We're just saying it doesn't stop there. Growth is good and growth is expected. We're supposed to grow. We often want to grow, but then sometimes we don't. Right? We just don't. So why not? Well, I mean, I got a couple of thoughts. One of them is we don't grow because we're comfortable, right? Like we're, we're just comfortable right where we are, wherever that is. Man, we got people coming here from all sorts of different places and walks of life, some people that aren't here. And so comfort can mean a lot of different things. Someone could be comfortable not having a relationship with God or going to a church or any of that. That might be what comfort looks like for them. But you could also have somebody be comfortable Coming to church, I don't know, I'm just making up some numbers, maybe two times every seven weeks, listening to three Christian songs on a radio, praying twice and trying to cuss a little less. Like, we're making up something real specific here. But that might be what comfort looks like for somebody. Or maybe comfort is somebody who actually has grown up in the church their whole life. They just don't ever talk to anybody who doesn't look or think the things that they already look and think. And so for them, comfort is just staying in a, a nice, comfortable little bubble where God calls us to do more. Or maybe comfort is somebody who knows who God is and they serve and they give and they're involved, but then they pat themselves on the back and they don't say, okay, God, what's next? Man, we can be comfortable at any step in our walk with Jesus. Truth is, comfort can keep us captive from becoming all that God wants us to be. We we can be comfortable and makes us stationary and we don't grow and we don't get to have the influence in people's lives that I know God wants us to, that we often want to. And so we don't even know what we miss out on if we stay still because we're comfortable. It's not just comfort, though. Sometimes it's confusion, right? Sometimes we're confused about how to grow. Like, we don't know maybe what to do. We'll talk about that some later. But sometimes we're even confused about whose responsibility our growth is. Now, 
I play volleyball uh, at a very low level, okay? I play every Monday night in the Columbus Parks and Rec Volleyball League for Adults, where I am still in a pursuit of a championship t-shirt. It has not happened in a long time. And I'm a very competitive person. I'm not a very competitive volleyball player, but I'm a very competitive person. And so, so is the rest of my team. Some of them are here. I'm trying to be really respectful in how I say this, but it gets a little ridiculous. Like, we have had a 40-minute team meeting in the cold, in the parking lot, with cups and jackets taken off our bodies to try and figure out the best possible strategy for a game that was over. Like, we have spent more time in a strategy meeting than in the actual volleyball game inside where it's nice and warm. It's ridiculous. And the reason I'm bringing that up is, one, because I should probably talk to a therapist about it, and two, um, because I like volleyball, and until... I can hit the ball. I don't think that our team is ever going to win a championship. Because the truth is, I am really bad at spiking the ball. Okay? Um, so, volleyball, you've got somebody who sets you up. And here's the deal. I want to be great. I want to be clear. I've got a great team. We've got people on there that are coaches. So they have taught me how to spike the ball, right? Hit it, jump when it's at the peak, coming down, follow through. Like, they've taught me. I've been told the right things. We've got encouragers on the team that are just ready to cheer you on as you get better. We've got people who offer legitimately helpful criticism to teach me what I could be doing differently. We've got great setters on the team. And all of that does not fix the fact that somebody could set the ball, I could go up and then just whiff or hit it, and it's just not what it should be, right? See, spiking the ball at that point is now my responsibility. And we're going somewhere with this, okay? See, the church is like our team, it's like that setter. They can teach, it can encourage, it can equip, can literally set us up for success when it comes to our spiritual growth. But for all of us, me included, right, well, we have to still follow through. Like at the end of the day, our individual responsibility is ours to grow. Because just like that team can't make me spike the ball, I promise you they would if they could. They can't. Man, we can't make anyone but ourselves grow. Our growth is our responsibility. And we want, as a church, why church? Like, we want to help people grow. So we do stuff like the 10K challenge to give people a chance to get involved and to start serving. We provide small groups and places to build connection. There's opportunities to pray, to do Bible studies together, to do Bible reading plans. Like, there's a lot of stuff that a church, like a team, can help us with, but it doesn't change whose individual responsibility it is. So at the end of the day, sometimes we don't grow because we're really confused about whose responsibility it is, and that's on us. All, like me included, just to be clear, we are responsible for our own growth. The church doesn't want to help. Maybe it's not comfort. Maybe it's not confusion. Maybe we're just distracted, right? We have a hundred notifications, physical, mental, digital. There's always stuff going off in our heads. So sometimes we want to grow. We even mean to grow. We just, it, we just kind of put it on the back burner and other stuff comes up and then it doesn't happen. And I mean, I get that. But the truth is, sometimes we're just too distracted. Sometimes we're afraid, we're afraid of what could happen if we choose to grow. And there could be lots of other things true. The truth is that at the end of the day, spiritual growth is good. Spiritual growth is expected. And sometimes it doesn't happen. Now, we're going to pivot just a little bit here. See, part of the reason that I was hating on the kids' food earlier is because I have to cook a lot of it now. I don't like it. All right? I'm just going to pout. Uh, not about this part. I recently got married and gained a daughter out of the deal, and that's awesome, and I love that. Here's why I'm pouting. 
I now hate the sight and smell of little air-fried mini corn dogs and toast. Like, guys, I used to like toast. I don't even want toast anymore. <sighs> My daughter has no desire to eat proteins or veggies. None. Zero. Which is really inconvenient for her because she has in her mind that she wants to grow up big and strong. And between her diet and her genetics, that's not going to happen, okay? I'm just going to go ahead and crush those dreams now. It's, it's not likely. Not at this rate. But it has given us some chances to talk about what it means to grow up to be strong, right? To, to be strong. That, that's not just like how much you can bench at the gym, which is good because I'd be in trouble. Uh, no, to, strong is multifaceted, right? We talk about being strong here with your head, with your mind, strong here with your heart, and then strong with your body. And all three matter. Our spiritual growth is the same way. We want to grow with our head. We want to grow with our heart. We want to grow with our hands, with what we do with our body, what we do with our actions. So we're going to talk about what each of those means. We're going to go fast. We're going to cover a lot in a short period of time. Buckle up. Head growth, okay? That is growth in our intellectual knowledge of God. It's our understanding of the Bible. It's our growth in wisdom and our ability to navigate difficult situations based on what we know. It's learning more about God and who he is and what he wants us to do, right? Now, growth here allows us to better articulate our faith. It gives us wisdom in difficult situations. It's a type of relationship with God. It's a type of knowledge of God. It's not the only knowledge of God, but there's growth that occurs in our head. There's also growth that occurs in our heart, right? Now, we can't always control our emotions, but we can grow in our hearts. That's a growth in our ability to understand and then to surrender our emotions to God, right? Our emotions are real. They're not always reliable, but they are a gift from God. And we, as we grow in this area, we surrender them to him. As we start to spend time with God in prayer and through worship, like our hearts can change and they become a little bit more like God. And they start to love the things God loves and hate the things God hates as our whole life and our character becomes more like God. And that also occurs in our hearts. That also occurs in our hands right? As we grow here, we grow in our understanding and wisdom. We grow in our compassion and mercy and feeling a deeper level of God's love. And as we grow in our hands, we take those and we put them to use. Because when we grow here, right, it's when we take our knowledge and our heart and then we do something with it. So this happens like head knowledge is knowing that somebody's made in the image of God. Therefore, they have inherent dignity, worth, and value, period. Heart knowledge is caring about that person, Because God loves them and you love God, so you love people. And then growth with hands is when, because we have this and this, then we go. And then we get involved. We make uh, backpacks for the homeless. We serve. We we do yard care for people who can't through the 10K challenge, through different areas. It's why people go and they take care of babies during a second church service so that somebody else can come and have a chance to worship. It's when our knowledge and our hearts get put to action. And we need all three. Head, heart, and hands. We need a growth in each of them. Because if we don't, we miss out. And we miss out no matter where we don't grow. I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there. There might be one of these where you're connecting with it. You're like, yeah, I'm good at that. Maybe one of these where you're saying, mm, not so much. Right, for me, not so good there. Head growth comes pretty easy. Heart growth, that's a genuine difficulty for me. And so we aren't expected to grow in all of them with the same ease. But we are expected to grow in all of them. Right? I hate doing the dishes, okay? I don't like it. I'm not good at it. Again, recently got married. I found out I'm increasingly less good at it than I thought I was. Like, I'm just not good at it. But that doesn't give me an excuse not to do it. 
Just because there's one or two of these that's not as easy for us, it doesn't give us an excuse to not do it. For example, if we grow in our heads and we grow in our hearts, but not our hands, we can become lazy scholars. All right? We can become a lazy scholar. Somebody who knows God and who loves God, but then doesn't do anything about it. We could be very comfortable coming to church and enjoying that and enjoying what we learn. Maybe in learning Bible studies, you could read your Bible every day and grow in your head knowledge and your heart knowledge. But if we don't do something with it, lazy scholar. And James 1.22 says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. And God cares about that. He wants our faith and our knowledge of him to lead to action. He also wants that our knowledge and love of him to create a heart growth in us as well, right? See, if we grow with our heads and we grow with our hands, but we don't grow in our hearts, we become robot assistants, all right? Like a Christian Alexa or Siri, okay? Capable of knowing a lot, can even do a surprising amount of things, but feels nothing. And we don't want to miss out on the depth of love that God has for us and for people and that relationship with him that can get so much deeper and better over time And if we don't grow in our hearts, that's what happens. It also can make the rest of our lives pretty nasty. And Jesus is talking about this in Luke chapter 6. Luke 6, 45. It says, a good person produces good things from the treasury. So where does this come from? Treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say, how you live your life, flows from what is in your heart. And if we don't take care of our hearts, we don't grow there. And that impacts the rest of our life as well. What if we grow with our hearts and with our hands, but not with our heads, right? If that happens, if we grow with our hearts and our hands, but not our heads, we become a foolish friend. We've all got these, okay? People who love people, who mean well, and who are ready to help, but they don't really know what they're doing, right? Don't make eye contact with anybody. No elbows, no nothing. We've all got friends like this. We've all got friends like the other two also, just to be clear. And what happens here is you've got people who mean well and who are ready to help, but when the situation arises, they may not make the best decisions. That's tough. See, it's when we grow like this, when we don't grow in our head knowledge, we become people who are like, yeah, I just want to love God and love people. And those are two good things. But if we do that and then don't actually know God, what gets harder? Because it's hard to stay in love with somebody you don't know. And God wants us to know him. And if we grow like this, and we find ourselves in situations and we realize, man, I don't know what kind of advice honors God here. I don't actually know what to do. Man, head growth is important. It helps us out here as well. It's also a good thing that's expected of us. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, they actually warn us against that kind of growth. It says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you his spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then, after the wisdom understanding, after that head growth, then the way you live will always honor and please God, sorry, the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Man, we don't want to be foolish friends. We want to grow with our head knowledge, with our heart knowledge, and then with our hands as well. We want to grow in all three of those. Here's the thing. We all could grow in every single area. And that's really overwhelming. Like there's so many things we could all do as a next step to grow in our knowledge and understanding of who God is. And we can only do one thing at a time, right? I can't multitask to save my life. Maybe you can, good for you. But none of us can take all of the next steps available to us at the same time. 
that's overwhelming and we'd just be paralyzed. So instead, because we want to relentlessly pursue next steps, identify your next step and take it. Just one. Because we grow one step at a time. But maybe as I was talking, maybe God already had put something in your heart and you know what it means for you to grow in one of these areas. Maybe you already know that. Nike, just do it, okay? But maybe you don't. Now, before we get to me talking about some stuff, what I'd love to do is just give us a chance to pray and ask God to show us our next steps. Because sometimes when we ask God to show us what our next step is, he just does. It doesn't always happen, but sometimes... So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take about 15 seconds and I'm going to pray for us. And I'd love to invite you to pray together with me as we're just asking God to show us what our next steps are. So I'm going to pray. Let's do that right now. God, we all need to grow. Would you please help us to grow and show us what that means for each of us individually? Amen. Now, we've got the band. They're going to be coming out in just a little bit. Actually, they can go ahead and get in. You know what? I like this. They're going to go ahead. They're going to hang out back here. We get ready. Because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some next steps for all of us to grow. And then we're going to talk about two very specific ones. And I'm really excited about it. Uh, so they're going, to go ahead and they're going to get ready. But for all of us right now, I want to give us a chance to maybe identify that next step for us. Maybe it's a step in head growth, right? If it's, if it's a step in head growth, why not start by diving deeper into God's word? All right? A great place to start there is with the Ridge Reading Challenge. You can get it through the app. Um, it's something we do where we read the Bible together as a church, and what we do is we just go through about a chapter or less a day, five days a week. Maybe you've done that, or you're doing that, and you're saying, okay, but I want more. Great. We've got something called Right Now Media. Right Now Media is like, um, it's like a Netflix for Bible studies. It's got content about books of the Bible, about apologetics, uh, about Christian philosophy and how to grow. There's a lot of great stuff there. Uh, whether it's the Ridge Reading Challenge or something on Right Now Media, those are easy ways for you to take a next step and just what you know about God. If you want to get in contact with either of those, we'd love to equip you with that. Uh, you can text GROW to 812-408-1188. Right? Just text GROW, and that's an easy way to take one of those steps. Maybe it's not head knowledge. Maybe it's not head growth. Maybe it's heart growth. Okay? Maybe your next step is to do something that helps you love God more. Now, we've got an awesome band that puts together not just music for us on Sundays, but even playlists to help us throughout the week. Because sometimes I know what I consume changes what I feel. And so we've got a playlist that we'd love to equip you with that just helps stir our affections for God. If you want that Spotify playlist, text GROW to 812-408-1188 and then pick that playlist. Maybe it's not something that you need to grow with your no. Maybe it's not something you need to feel. Maybe it's something you need to do. I mean, Adam talked about this earlier. But we've got the 10K challenge. It's awesome. It's exciting. And it's a really direct way for us to take our knowledge and love of God and then put it into actions. So if you want to sign up for the day of service, you can do that in the atrium. Or, and I know this is going to shock you guys, you can text GROW to 812-408-1188 and then select day of service. Maybe you're already involved there. Awesome. Maybe it's starting to find a regular place to serve in the church or in the community. Now, if you're in a small group, actually, you're going to be having a chance to take something called a spiritual growth assessment this week. And I know that sounds fancy and intimidating, but it's, it's just a tool that helps us identify our next step, maybe at a more specific level than any of these things I've said. So if you're in a small group, just show up. It'll be great. Now, if you're not, we still want to make this available to you. So you can, wait for it, text GROW to 812-408-1188 and then select that spiritual growth assessment. It gets you a PDF I'd suggest you take 10 to 15 minutes of time and just kind of pray and then go through that. Maybe God will use that to show you a next step. 
I mean, he, he did for me. Like I was taking it and I was praying and I felt like I got a next step out of it. God might do the same thing for you. Now, we're going to slow down. Because if you're on the fence about faith or you're really new to this, maybe a lot of what I just said feels really far out of reach. And I get that. What I want to talk about real fast is the first two steps that people make as they start to follow Jesus. See, that very first one is the decision to follow him in the first place. That's a decision somebody makes between them and God. It's when they choose to believe that there's a God who created the universe that loves them, that saw that we were separated from God by our sin. We can't bridge that gap on our own, but he can. So he came, he lived a perfect life, died a death he didn't deserve. And instead of us trying to earn our way to God and failing, we get to trust that what he did is enough. It's what we sing in Honey in the Rock, that who you are and what you did is enough. And we have a relationship with God based on who he is. That's that first choice. That's something that somebody does on their own. And at that point, when somebody chooses to follow Jesus, there's something cool that happens. Romans 10.9 talks about this. It says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And we are saved from what we deserve, which is to be permanently separated from God because of our sin. But instead, when we declare that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart, that's the decision to follow Jesus someone makes for themselves, by themselves, between them and God, man, that's when we're saved. That's when somebody starts to follow Jesus. And then they are no longer the main character of their life. God is. And as we do that, we begin to grow and take next steps. And the next step after choosing to follow Jesus is the decision to get baptized. The phrase Adam uses sometimes, I love it, is that baptism is an outward expression of an inward decision. That decision to follow Jesus, that's an inner decision between you and God. But baptism is after you've chosen to follow God, you say, and now I'm going to tell people. Baptism is this chance. It's a symbol showing that you've chosen to follow Jesus. It's just water. The water doesn't wash away sins. What Jesus did on the cross pays our debt that our sin owes. So the water's just water. But what happens is people go all the way down and all the way back up, identifying with Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. And it's them saying, I have chosen to follow Jesus. I'm not going to try and earn my way to God. What he did is enough. I'm going to follow him. I believe that Jesus is my Savior, and I will follow him with all of my heart. And baptism is people saying that. And there's some of us in this room where baptism might be our next step, where that's what we need to do. And I would love that. What we get to celebrate in just a minute is some people taking that next step. They've already had those conversations. They've already made that decision. And today, we're actually going to get to celebrate that. So for 9 or 11 of my friends, that next step is getting baptized. For all of us, our next step is to celebrate like crazy every single time somebody goes down in the water and back up. Can you imagine what heaven is like when people are celebrating that decision people have made to follow Jesus, saying, no, no, God, I can't earn my way to you, but I love you, and what you did is enough, and so I want to let all of my friends and strangers and people I don't know that Jesus is my Savior, and I will follow him with all of my heart. But do you know how big a deal that is? It's that big. It is, it is more important than a touchdown. It's more important than a kiss at a wedding. It's more important than an engagement. It is more important than anything else that happens this side of heaven. And so when our friends get baptized, we go crazy. Every single one of us. I'm going to pray and then we're going to celebrate. Jesus, we love you. And we're in all different places here. But the truth is, we cannot earn our way to you. And you knew that, and you had compassion, and you had mercy, and so you came to us. 
and we've got some friends here that have chosen to follow you. Would you help us to honor and celebrate that decision well? Would you help us to celebrate like heaven celebrates when people choose to follow you? We love you and we trust you. Amen.